something that's come out of the pandemic has been this supercharging of digital health. We've seen this urgent need to make better use of health data, whether it's for testing, tracing, diagnosis, or new medical treatments. So demand for new health tech solutions has increased, and so is the demand for technology platforms to make those solutions even better and integrate them into existing healthcare environments. So as life returns to whatever normal is, healthcare challenges haven't gone away. Healthcare providers are struggling to meet demand with rising wait lists and clinician burnout and resourcing issues. So how do we make healthcare delivery more agile and responsive to these challenges, perhaps leveraging this newfound acceptance and capability of digital health? Today, I'm joined by Andrew Aho from Intersystems, and we're going to be exploring how healthcare technology companies can drive adoption of their solutions and how healthcare providers can create the motivation to implement new technologies and develop those skills as well. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Andrew Aho. He's the Regional Director of Data Platforms in Australia, New Zealand and Southeast Asia for Intersystems, an innovative data technology provider dedicated to helping customers solve their most critical information challenges. Andrew's got more than 20 years of sales and executive management experience in the technology industry, and he works with healthcare, medtech, and financial services organizations to develop innovative solutions which leverage data, interoperability, analytics, AI, and automation technologies to improve service delivery and performance. Hey, Andrew, how are you going? I'm good, Pete. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you, and we're going to get to talk about data. And I'm keen to hear about it. But firstly, tell us a little bit more about you and, and what you do. Sure. Thanks. And before I get started, I wanted to just also say thank you for sending out the Talking Health Tech socks. They're fantastic. And I'll be sure to enjoy them since I've signed up as a member. So thank you. Yes. <laughs> Wear them with pride. I love it. Love it. I will. Indeed. So look, my story is I started out in uh, technology in 2000, I was working with a business intelligence software company here in Sydney. And what we were trying to do was to make it much easier for people to make decisions with data without having to rely on IT all the time. We worked across a range of industries. We were pretty big in government and did a bit in financial services. But in 2003, I got involved in a project with the Children's Hospital at Westmead, again, here in Sydney, which was really kind of fascinating. We were delivering real-time dashboards to help with uh, patient flow visibility and to prevent access block. And I got really involved in you know all of the challenges around connecting and collecting data and then presenting that information. And it just got me fascinated in how you can run these projects. There's lots of challenges and lots and lots of opportunity. We ended up you know extending that and working with the executives to put objectives on executive dashboards to monitor how they were investing funds and then managing risk as part of the whole process. So it really did, you know, expand much beyond that. No, but I really, you know, looked back to those days and found that was a very interesting start to my sort of entry into healthcare. And I guess also I've been keen to extend that 
over the years because I come from a family of medicos. My dad was a radiologist, mum was a radiographer, my brother's a GP. So whilst they do something that I wasn't interested in doing for healthcare provision, I certainly feel like I make a contribution and can make a contribution in healthcare through what I know about technology and data. And that kind of, if you fast forward to 2016, is where I was thinking, I was looking at InterSystems, doing my research on the organisation and thinking, you know, how can I make a contribution? Well, InterSystems certainly does. They get over a billion electronic health records on our technology and people rely on it and each and every day. And I'd heard these wonderful things around uh, a real customer focus, which matched up with my own values and what I wanted to do day to day. So that's kind of my story very quickly. Yeah. No, that's cool. I, I didn't know it went that far back. And, you know, 2003, it doesn't sound that long ago to me. And then I realized that it's, you know, actually quite that long ago. So time flies, doesn't it? But I guess 2003 to now, and particularly with COVID the last couple of years, from your perspective, what do you think's the biggest thing that COVID has demonstrated to us in healthcare now? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I kind of think of this in two frames, but I guess the primary one is around data and data literacy particularly healthcare data. So going back to 2003, uh, it was a very different landscape in terms of how people would interpret data. And I think what the pandemic has done is, you know, this very large social experiment that none of us signed up for and has been indiscriminate, you know, in who it's targeted. But if you think about where we were just at the beginning of 2020 or even at the end of 2019, Healthcare data was something that clinicians generally feel quite concerned that people have a hard time interpreting data, but then all of a sudden it was thrust upon us, if you like. So it was sort of rumor mill at the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, we were talking about well, where are the cases? I heard someone might've picked it up on a flight between countries. And then you get into kind of March and April, we're in lockdown and our governments start reporting each and every day on what the cases are. So I think people have been exposed to healthcare data in the past couple of years in a way that we never have been before. And it's the whole journey really of data maturity and data literacy. So when the data was coming through originally, we're kind of thinking, do we trust this data? I know it was a, a highly politicized year in the US uh, with the elections there, but can you trust uh, the information from the CDC, from John Hopkins? There was also these issues in Australia around approach to data collection. So some states were collecting a full day of data and then reporting on that late morning, uh, but with a full day of data when they were reporting. Other states were cutting off the timeline for data earlier in the day, but then they were giving people the opportunity to act on that information much earlier in the following day. So we had conversations at home, you know, with our family, friends, peers around what does this data mean? And I think like any good data project, it's adapted and changed over those couple of years. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've gone from looking at cases to then how much testing is going on to now, I think at the moment, it's really about vaccination rates as well as hospitalization. So that's also shifted over time. And I think the big lesson around all of that is that people can handle quite a lot of information and the changes that, that go along with being able to understand and interpret that information and make decisions on it. Now, it is a bit of a leap to then say, well, can we handle all of the healthcare data that might be made available to us? But I think there's a really good foundation and a lot of data maturity that's taken place. Hmm. I think as well, building on that prior to COVID and probably the most amount of public exposure that digital health, I guess, had to the broad public was 
the points around my health record and opting in and out and, and that whole conversation. We're shifting to now the use of data has been more about, well, what does it mean for me? Like the utility of it, I think a big lesson out of it is the data is useful if it's got meaning. And so it's meaningful to people having that information. So that's why there's there's been that kind of adoption of it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's spot on. And I think if you were a clinician, you would argue that we're already getting overwhelmed with a lot of data. So I think it's even more important for clinicians to be given and provided information that is actionable and they're actually insights rather than just data. So I guess that's the other kind of frame, you know, what we learned from the pandemic at an organizational level is that you need to be able to connect up your systems. It's no longer acceptable to have systems that don't talk to each other. I mean, why would you, if you're a lab, pay for new equipment and machinery to conduct the PCR testing, but then not be able to connect it to the systems that send out the alerts and the notifications so that the people who are waiting on the results of those tests can actually do something with it. So yeah, certainly from our perspective, it's both of those things. The healthcare data literacy, I think, is higher than ever before. And also that need to have everything interoperate is critical. Yeah, that's good. That's promising. You know, you look at healthcare now, though, we've still got a lot of challenges ahead. What do you see the role of data in terms of addressing some of these ongoing challenges in healthcare? Yeah, look, I think the ongoing challenges have somewhat been easily overlooked by the pandemic. I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, I remember we were working on a number of programs in healthcare and several of them were turned off very quickly because they were perceived to be nice to haves when we were worried about, you know, could we just get people into hospitals and was the whole system going to be overwhelmed? Um, so I think a lot of those issues that you're referring to still exist. I mean, the clinician burnout is still a major problem and managing demand for scarce hospital resources. And now as we move into kind of living with COVID, we're trying to do all the things we were doing before and live with COVID. So you're going to have even more, I think, challenges there. But I guess to talk about the technology piece for a second and your question around how do you use the data, I guess we've been looking at a report that came out recently from Sage Growth Partners showing that only 20% of healthcare organisations fully trust the data that they rely on to make decisions. And according to the research, the biggest barrier for getting past that is how you are able to strategically integrate and interoperate between systems with data. So if you can't trust it because it's being manually copied, or it's from a third party, you know, obviously that 20% of organizations that are going to rely on the data isn't going to increase. And we have a couple of kind of interesting insights from our own customers, I guess, where we're seeing a different approach from the outset to what you do with data and interoperability. So one in the UK, Cognitivity, embraced this idea of having a healthcare data platform. So something that can connect, collect, analyze the information, bring it all together very easily. And they have a very powerful AI-driven test, which allows them to predict dementia years before it would otherwise have been noticeable. But obviously, if you've got AI and a powerful algorithm, it's only as good as the data it can collect. So you need, in some cases, lots of data, and, and it certainly needs to be of good quality. So having this idea of, well, we're going to think about all of our data holistically from the outset has given them that ability. And obviously, Alzheimer's has a big impact on people, something like 50 million people around the world. So the benefits there are enormous to get it right. And another one just here in Australia, RxMx, another client of ours, solve problems around complex and comprehensive medications. So in this world, you're talking about very, very expensive programs and therapies, and only really with a healthcare data platform that sits out of the places where that data exists, could this problem be solved. So 
they operate in between the labs, the clinicians, the patient data, medications, and they are helping meet the doctor and the patient where they are at in terms of making sure that the medications are prescribed to the right people and that they're adhered to. And so they haven't accepted that there should be delays between systems and they're helping bring down the cost of these very complex and expensive medications just by having the right levels of connectivity and the, the use of that data to improve the system. It's really exciting to hear about you know the technical capability that exists there and those examples that you mentioned. But one thing we come across often within healthcare is there's all these other issues outside of the pure technical side of things of actually connecting these bits and pieces, but there's much more than that. Some of the other problems that we face in healthcare, right? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, wouldn't it be lovely if it could all be solved with technology, but that's certainly not the case. I think short of another pandemic to kind of spur us along, I think what we have to lean on here is really leadership. And something else I'm going to throw in is this idea of competition. So leadership's obviously a key one here around you know, maintaining agility and responsiveness. And in my role, I get to work with some really incredible uh, leaders who continue to push boundaries. Uh, I'm thinking of one particular example here in New Zealand with Dr. Lloyd McCann and Sarah Gardner and their whole team at Mercy Ascot. During the pandemic, they were due to go live with the InterSystems track care system. And if you've been involved with a hospital go live of that sort of scale, you'll know it takes months of planning and preparation. On the day, there's lots of hands-on and people there to make sure that when you cut over from one system to the next, that you know, I'd say nothing goes wrong, but as little that can go wrong as possible goes wrong. And then you've got to make sure that the following day that there's no way that the hospital is inhibited and that clinicians can get on with the job and you don't risk you know, things like patient safety. Now, if you think about what that means when all of a sudden you can't fly, you can't travel, you can't even get to the hospital, we were looking collectively at how do you do a virtual go live, something we hadn't done before of this scale and something that made everybody quite nervous. But again, to come back to Lloyd and Sarah, that leadership on their side, together with our team and the partnership, figured out a way to do it. And you can certainly see the story has been written up and featured. It's a really an amazing piece of innovation that without this leadership, it didn't matter how good the technology would have been. You know, you really needed those people to come together and figure out how to make it happen. So I think leadership's a big one. And then competition, I kind of, you know, want to throw this one in because obviously healthcare is not a place where we're thinking about share of customer wallet like you might do in retail or financial services, right? But I think a healthy competition that inspires people to act on the essential, to simplify and to innovate. You know, how do we as vendors in health tech bring our expertise to our customers and help them think about how they can do this too? I mean, we face it in health tech each and every day. And whilst a hospital might not see itself in competition with other healthcare providers, I mean, the reality is if they don't keep up with innovation, then at some point they will be held to account. So, you know, what can we do to spur on that healthy competition? Mm. No, that's a very good one. And, and just coming back to the, because I'll come to that point around competition in a second, but, you know, back to the leadership side of things, it can be easy from a, and I know from firsthand experience, from a vendor's perspective to on a go live day of any technology in a setting, particularly if you're cutting over from one and on to another, you can feel like you've done absolutely everything you can from a vendor's perspective. But in, in the end, obviously it's in the hands of the hospital, the healthcare provider, whoever it is utilizing the thing. And sometimes if you feel like you don't have that support, then you can't really 
Do you mind? Like, what, what does it, from a healthcare leader's perspective, what are some of those things that they actually do, other than being, you know, the big strong advocate for this technology and telling everyone they've got to use it? I mean, what does that actually look like from a leader's perspective in a successful implementation of technology? Yeah, look, there's a lot that goes into it, no doubt. And I think having strong leaders who can fly the flag at all levels of the organisation, so I don't mean leader like the executive and the executive team, but leaders throughout the whole program, so clinical leaders, technical leaders, now people who are just interested in helping with the innovation and can help with the communications, I think is a really key thing. I mean, Mercy Ascot did a lot of work on this. They started with a digital literacy program to make sure they understood where each of the clinicians were. Some of them might not have received email or they did via an assistant, relied predominantly on SMS, that sort of thing. You've got quite a journey if the next thing you're going to be doing is working with a PAS or an EMR type system. So I think they did an excellent job of setting a baseline and understanding how do we move the organisation forward. But again, without that kind of key leadership all throughout the organisation, but flying the flag to say, this is why we're doing it. And uh, you know we know it's not going to be smooth sailing, but we're all going to do it together for these reasons. I think is key. Yeah. And to the point that you raised around competition, it's funny when you said that my head immediately went to, you know, from a vendor's perspective, that there's good competition from the technology vendors to make sure that everything is cutting edge and, and the best technology is being put forward. But you raised that interesting point around from a clinician side as well, like from a healthcare service provider's point of view too. And it's not something you immediately think of, well, you know, if it's the hospital in that area, that's the hospital. But I guess you're right, is that it's not just patient expectations that are there, which doesn't always come up from a hospital side, but it's emerging, but also the clinicians have increasing expectations of technology in their healthcare setting as well, right? Absolutely. And, and in the case of private providers, even more so because those clinicians can move and will move, um, particularly if they think that there's something holding them back with their current hospital or if the technology is more enabling in other places. I don't think it's going to be the, the whole reason, but it certainly could be a consideration. And so then back for the vendors, so do you have any advice for those that are creating health tech solutions? How can they demonstrate the value of their solution to a healthcare provider? Yeah, look, I think there's probably the more tactical level there about using healthcare data, and we could spend a week or, or a month or longer going through some of the different things that you might do in that area. But if I come back to what I really appreciate and have learned at Intersystems, it's about shifting from transactional outcomes through to long-term strategic partnerships. And so even if you're in health tech and you might feel that your solution is more transactional or it doesn't require board level sign-off, I think gaining an understanding of your customer's strategic intent, their strategic plan, understanding what the executives and the clinicians are trying to achieve, that only helps you understand how you can use the data that you might be collecting in the wonderful system that you're building to serve them better. I think also, you know, with that mindset, you can think more about, well, what can I bring? What can my organization bring to my customers around our expertise, what we know across working with many providers? And sometimes I think that goes missing because we have a unique, you know, sort of ability on our side dealing with many different types of providers to be able to leverage that intel and that expertise and those techniques to help each and every customer that we have. So I would say, think about it strategically, uh, think about the long-term partnership, and then the answers around what you can do with the data itself will become self-evident. Yeah, that's a nice way to go about it. And thinking lastly then, to close out the conversation, we've entered a new year. What are you hoping to see from 2022 and beyond in terms of adoption of technology and some of the innovations that come out of it in healthcare? 
Yeah, I think this is going to be a great year. There's lots of very exciting things that have started to gain momentum in the past couple of years. I mean, I think fire and the promise that that brings, we're seeing a lot of medical device integration going on, really connecting up care throughout the journey, I think is fascinating and will just continue. I think, you know, to our conversation today, I'd love to see more of this spirit of partnership and agility and responsiveness as if we were in a pandemic, even though hopefully this is uh, not something that we'll face each and every day. I mean, I love that energy, the open growth mindset that people bring when you've got this hanging over you, but how do we uh, do that when uh, hopefully we've said goodbye to it? So that's what I would hope for. And I think obviously it's been a very challenging couple of years and I hope that people find time to celebrate wins and work together and just recognize that we have been accomplishing a lot of amazing things and we should continue to do so. Nice one, Andrew. I look forward to continuing that conversation. You'll be speaking on a panel at the Summer Summit as well in February. So I look forward to exploring this very topic with you and others very soon. So thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.